Good day. Welcome to the Conversations in Education podcast. This is the first in a series of three episodes to touch on the person of the teacher. In this episode, we'll listen to Brother Jun Urgiza Efesi and his invited sharers as they reflect on the call of the teacher. So, whatever you're doing right now, just relax and listen in. I'd like to maybe just to not to overemphasize the whole point that I think as teachers, as professionals, many times we really don't talk about teachers in terms of their persons. We talk about them in terms of how they are, in terms of their work, in terms of their pedagogy, in terms of the way they uh, they handle their classes, the, the way they handle their students, and so forth. But hardly do we do we even think of discussing who this teacher is in front of the classroom. They say that you know when you when you meet a class for the first time, when you meet a class for the first time, they get to see they get to see their teacher and they examine this teacher from head to foot and they uh, they make a judgment on this teacher and within the next seven minutes of your first meeting with your class they know who you are they know who you are basically they know who the teacher is that they're they're having for the semester or for the year okay that's how that's how important that's how important this person of the teacher is that we're going to talk about today there are three three aspects of uh, this particular uh, this particular uh, uh, trilogy of themes and I would like to to take up uh, these three with you the first one is that on the call the second one is that on on the, the spirit and the third one is on the law. I will take the first one first, which is that of the call. Three points. One point. It is the Lord that calls. God calls us. God calls us and God calls us to a plan, to His divine plan. Exactly what does that mean when we say God calls? It simply means God takes the initiative in calling you. But what, what does that mean when, when we say God is calling you? Does that mean that he comes into some kind of an apparition and he says, oh, you, June, I, I'm calling you. Come here. Does he call us that way? I think in, in many ways, in many ways, God is very, is a very persuasive kind of a, of a, of a person that he doesn't do things almost starkly direct as that so what does he do he uses individuals in your life 
significant individuals in your life and he uses these individuals to as his instrument to call you maybe it could be another teacher who comes around to come comes around to you and said oh you're very good you're a very good student why don't you become a teacher Nobody comes around to say, um, you know, uh, you're you're very bad. Uh, you, you're you're a, you're a bad student. Why don't you become a teacher? It doesn't come that way. When the call comes, it comes through the person of individuals who are who 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 are significant to us, and they convince us. They convince us that that. There's something good about you. There's something good about you for which you are being called to do. And for which God is asking you, could you be part of my overall plan? Could you be part of my plan? And what is that plan? I don't know. I I I I I I probably would just like to, you know, go get, get into the mind of God a little bit and and say, you know, what what is the mind of God? I think the mind of God is basically, you know, he wants to make sure that the world is a better world to live in, a world where uh where uh, there is justice, a world where there's peace, a world where there's harmony, a world where there is no abuse, a world where where everything is in place where everyone is happy. I think that's the kind of world that God wants us to live in. And when when we see injustice in the world, then that disharmonizes things. When we see uh, that there is no peace in the world, there is war, then that disharmonizes the world. So so the call comes at a time when when there is some disharmony god says you i want you to do something about this i present you with a situation situation in the world where there is poverty look at all the children who are very poor who look at all the children in the streets roaming the streets they're not getting educated what are you going to do about them you see the reality god shows the reality to certain people and he opens their eyes to see the reality and hopefully when their eyes are opened this person who has been called says my heart is moved my heart is moved because of the situation that i see i want to do something about this so so god calls us in persons through persons god calls us through situations through various various uh, instances through various circumstances and we realize that the call is in response to his overall plan there is some disruption in the world and god says I want you to do something about this disruption in the world. I want you to contribute your share 
in making sure that we have a better place to live in. The coronavirus is one such disruption which man has created himself. Man has created himself. And the Lord is telling you, us, you, I want you to look for some vaccine to settle this particular problem which you created for yourself. You, I want you to find for a cure. You, I want you to do something about this. So it's a challenge that he presents to us in order to transform the world, to change the world for the better. And that's, that's what happens. No? That's what happens here in this particular, in this particular instance. No? So, so the first point is God calls and God calls us to a plan. The second point, man responds or refuses to respond. In, 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 in effect, the call that he presents to us is an invitation. He invites us and he says, you, I'm inviting you to do something about the situation that you find yourself in. Do your share. I have given you, I have given you this, this uh, certain gifts that you have. Use that gift to be able to, uh, to be able to respond to this thing. Many times, we don't want to answer the call. It's like a, a telephone call. It's like a, a cell phone call, uh, you know, that's presented to us. You know, somebody calls us, and then you see the name of, of that person who's calling you, and she's, oh, no, 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 don't answer it, okay? I know what he's going to say, okay? So, missed call, missed call, missed call. The person keeps on calling, calling, you never answer. I think many times God is like that. God is a very insistent God, but a very persuasive God at the same time. He calls us and, and he, expects, he expects some kind of a response. And sometimes the response comes in, in very mysterious ways. You know, maybe he presents us with some, with some situation where, where a positive response is probably the only response that we can give him. Okay, so a response is important. And I guess we can, we can personally take a look at ourselves and we say, you know, God is calling me to this. What are my gifts? What are the gifts that I have that will best respond to God's call for me? Yeah, okay. So, so, so that, is a, that is one way, that is one way of looking at it. And the third, the third point that I would like to mention is God chooses and once he chooses, he empowers, he empowers you. Take a look at the Old Testament prophets, Old Testaments, you know, when God calls them, oh, you. Jeremiah, you, Isaiah, you, you know, all the different prophets. When they were called, his call for them was simply, you be my messenger. Messenger ka. Okay. And so what, what was their response? 
Oh, no, 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 Lord, I can't. You know, can't you see? I stutter, I stutter, stutter. I cannot talk. Right? Can't you see? I can't talk. All right. You can't talk? I will talk for you. I will speak for you. I will give you the power. I think that is God's assurance to be able to convince us that the call that He gives to us is a very serious call. We could consider our work as simply just a profession, simply just a career. But I think the Lord wants us to step, step up further. He's asking us not to look at the teaching profession as just a profession, not just as a career, but a calling. And the nobility that that implies. Why? Because when you teach, when you teach, you teach the children of God. And if these are the children of God, you are teaching the children of the King. How can you resist such a calling? When, when God is asking you, take care of my children. These are my children. I am asking you to do the work for me, to do my work. Lord, we always say, this work is yours. I can only participate in the work. And if you ask me to participate in the work, please, Lord, give me the power to do it. And he says, yes, I will. I'll give you the power to communicate. I'll give you the power to persuade. I'll give you the power to be able to think and to think well. To be able to do all of these, you need all of these in order to answer the call. I think that's what, what this call is all about. It's a nobility of calls that allows us to be able to participate in the work of God. Very much very much attuned to, to the mission of God, God's mission here on earth. It is not like the other professions because probably the other professions are just like, maybe like social work kind of thing. You know, you do something good for others, you do something good for others, but that's just about it. There is no God element into, into them, most likely. So with that, uh, we'd like to listen to some sharing this time uh, with some of our uh, fellow teachers uh, who will share with us on this particular, this particular theme. Thank you very much, Brother June, for that introduction. We now call on our speakers. Uh, our sharers, rather, the first one to share is Dr. Judith Aldaba, the Assistant Superintendent of the Roman Catholic Archdiocese of Manila, 
educational system. She will be followed by Mr. Jose Ramel E. Javier, Director for Administration of the Sal Green Hills. Take it away, Dr. Eldaba. Good morning, fellow educators. Mabuhay ang mga guro. Thank you, Brother June, for inviting me to share my experience as a teacher in this webinar. My mother was a teacher, but I never dreamed of being a teacher. I would have wanted to be a lawyer. But God had a different plan for me. As what Brother Chun said earlier, God calls us to a plan and he had another plan for me. I went to a Catholic school in Batanga City, St. Bridget College, and the courses that were offered in that school during my time were very limited. It's an all-girls school. So I was forced to take Bachelor of Science in secondary education after completing high school. But since the first day I attended my classes in this course, I knew I would be a teacher and there was no turning back. Immediately after graduation, I started teaching. And until this very day, I am still a teacher. As the saying says, once a teacher, always a teacher. But my own perspective of teaching is that it was a job, a task where one has to be in school for eight hours a day, teaching for five or six hours and devoting the remaining hours, preparing for the lessons to be taught the following day. I would then consider teaching as a process wherein the writings of the teachers on the blackboard are copied by the students in their notebooks. And the same notes are given back to the teachers in form of a test to evaluate if learning takes place. I would make sure that my lesson plans, my course guides, contain the three types of Bloom's taxonomy objectives. Noon pa man, uso na ang Bloom's taxonomy. Affect, cognitive, affective, and psychomotor objectives. But oftentimes, the affective and the psychomotor objectives were just placed on the plan or on the outline. But I would always put much consideration on the cognitive objectives because I wanted that I finished all the lessons by the end of the day or by the end of the week. That, that was how I viewed teaching before. However, I realized that it was not enough that I only covered the cognitive objectives even if the other objectives were written. I started to give more emphasis on the affective and psychomotor skills of my students. I integrated values in my subject matter 
and made sure that the practical applications of the lessons are emphasized. I was a mathematics teacher for the longest time. For example, when I teach mathematics of investment, it was not enough that I tell the students to compute how much profit they would have for such an investment they make, but always remind them that every business should consider its corporate social responsibility to the customers and that profit is important, but profit is not the goal of the business, but rather profit is a means to be able to serve the community. So there was now emphasis on cognitive, affective, where values are incorporated and psychomotor, the application side. But when I moved to De La Salle University, I realized that it was enough that I covered the cognitive, affective, and psychomotor objectives of the course. These were the expectations from a teacher as a professional. The expectations became higher. That then when I was connected with secular institutions, prayers before and after classes, daily masses, recitation of the rosary, recitation of the angelus, and other rituals became part of my daily activities. I was led to the practices that I did when I was still in college. So being a teacher is more than being a professional. It is witnessing to the person of Christ. The document entitled The Catholic Schools in the Threshold of the Third Millennium states that, I quote, Catholic schools are at the heart of the church's mission in the service of society. The promotion of the human person is the goal of the Catholic school. The same document, end of the quote. The same document defines the calling of a teacher. Hence, I am reminded that more than a profession, teaching is a mission. Teaching is a vocation. And being a teacher in a Catholic institution uh, implies that we have the twofold mission education, and evangelization. A teacher in a Catholic school has to evangelize and to educate. That's why we always say religion is the core of the curriculum. I am expected to transmit the knowledge and develop competencies defined in the curriculum of a particular subject or discipline. But this role is required for all teachers, regardless of one's school affiliation. More than teaching the content of a particular subject or discipline, I am expected to be a part of the church in its evangelizing mission, that is, to proclaim the person of Jesus Christ in the classroom. 
natatandaan ko si Monsignor Jerry lagi sinasabi sa amin, nakikita ba ng istudyante ninyo si Jesus sa inyo? No? Because Monsignor Jerry was my um, parish priest when he was assigned at Bella Salzubel. And he would be very active in looking into the programs of our of our school. We have to proclaim the Jesus, the person of Jesus in the classroom that Christ deformed. Galatians 4.16 That Christ deformed is a byword of Max's schools. Thus, I am committed to take the, ching, the teaching profession to serve the Lord. That is, I am committed to stay in teaching even if it means letting go of some other things. <clears throat> When I was assigned as an administrator of De La Salle University schools, uh, De La Salle Zubel and De La Salle Araneta, I made sure that I would always have a teaching function. So when I moved to De La Salle Zubel, I was teaching one trigonometric class for third year students at the time. And sometimes people do not recognize the efforts exerted by teachers when they teach. But I would not mind that. In fact, I would not even bother about the evaluation results I'm getting. Teaching is not telling. It is modeling and witnessing. Witnessing means that every word that the teacher expresses is accompanied by action. Because action speaks louder than words. Ang ginagawa ng matanda sa mata ng bata ay nagiging tama. Dalawa yung aking panuntunan nung ako'y nagtuturo. Una, I should be punctual. I cannot expect my students to come on time if I would be late. So in the probably 40 years of my teaching profession, I never had an encounter of being late in my classes. And number two, bawal magkasakit. The teacher cannot afford to be absent from classes. The students are entitled to have 20% of their attendance in classes before you fail them. It's a choice of the child not to come to class. But a teacher is absent from class uh, would, would be committing Um, will be failing students who are waiting for him or her to be taught for a given period. Pag isang buray lum- nag-absent sa klase ng isang araw and you have four classes with 40 students, you deprive 160 students the opportunity to learn. So yun po ang dalawang panuntunan ko nung ako'y nagtuturo. Lalo na sa basic education. According to Pope Paul VI, more than man listens more willingly to witnesses than to teachers. And if he does listen to teachers, it is because they are witnesses. As a teacher, I am linked with an apostolic spirit that more than being a professional, my personal life 
would bear witness to Christ, the great teacher. And I would like to end my reflection by sharing with you the framework that our association, the Roman Catholic Archbishop of Manila, educational system prepared. We call this the call to teach. And we had a committee um, chaired by Mr. Anthony Valeriano. Anthony, I'm using your um, paper. And the framework takes St. Luke's account of the call of Simon, the fisherman. Luke 5 verses 11, 1-11 as our instructional guide in our educational ministry. And I read the Gospel of St. Luke. When the crowd was preaching the in on Jesus and listening to the Word of God, he was standing by the lake of Genesaret. He saw two boats there alongside the lake. The fishermen had disembarked and were waiting their nets, washing their nets. Getting into the get, I'm sorry, getting into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, he asked him to put out the short distance from the shore. And he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. And after he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and lower your nets for a catch. Simon said in reply, Master, you have worked hard all night and have caught nothing. But your command, at your command, I will lower the nets. When they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their nets were tearing. They signaled their part they signaled to their partners to the other boat to come to help them. They came and filled both boats so that they were in danger of sinking. Then Simon Peter saw this. He fell at the knee of Jesus and said, Depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For astonishment at the catch of the fish they had made seize him and all those with him and likewise James and John the sons of Zebedee who were partners of Simon Jesus said to Simon do not be afraid from now on we'll be catching men and when they brought their boats to the shores they left everything and followed him the, key, the first key concept of the Gospel of Luke is the call. As defined in Cambridge Dictionary, call means to consider someone or something to be. At the Sea of Galilee, Jesus considered calling the fishermen. For him, they have been called for a big task, which from the very start, Jesus knew 
they would be able to fulfill that being fishers of man. God called us for a very special purpose. And the call is not selective and exclusive, but rather inclusive. As God believes that each one of us has the role to play, particularly in Catholic schools. We have experience and still experiencing God's call in whatever form it may be in every events of our life. And our response to it is different, is in different forms. I did respond to the call. I still respond to this call. I'm one of the fishers of the young men and women entrusted to my care. And as what Saint John Baptist Rizal would say, we teach the minds, we touch the hearts, we transform lives. Leave Jesus in our hearts forever. Thank you. And may I now call on Mr. Ramel Javier for his reflection. I see a little bit of similarity from what was shared earlier by Dr. Judith. And I refer to my travel catalog as a teacher, as something that is likened to a long trip that includes three modes of transport, land, water, air. And just like many of us, and some of you may be able to relate with this, this travel experience has not been turbulent free. I wasn't spared. There had been many challenges that were posed before me, especially when I graduated college. Like the previous speaker, I had wanted to be a broadcast or a print journalist. I was all up and about right after college my credentials, my CVs, all the documents that were supposed to be prepared in pursuit of that dream were all in place. I also had the necessary connections, friends, fellow alumni from the institution that I graduated from, and even professionals whom we got the chance to meet up on holidays and would give us a briefer of how professional life should be should you land into broadcast or print journalism. And so that jolted me, that gave me the drive that yes, immediately right after college, I'll be there. And so I started distributing all these documents, my CVs, but to no avail. It took quite a long while before I could receive any word from those that I have sent my CVs and other documents to. If there was indeed a response, it was only like, we'll get back to you the moment management had decided that you be considered. 
It happened about maybe a couple of times. And so I waited. And just like any patient, obedient individual and follower of the Lord Jesus, I did exactly the same thing. I waited, I was patient. And one day, I received a call. That call did not come from the broadcast or print company that I had wanted to apply. It was a call from LaSalle Green Hills asking me to report, to run a demo, and to appear before a panel for an interview. And so I did. I responded, reported, did exactly what were asked of me that day, and delivered. Before I knew it, I already saw myself standing in front a bunch of young gentlemen in LaSalle Green Hills, apparently my first teaching stint. At the beginning, I thought it was just going to run for about a month because my status was a substitute teacher. But I didn't realize that it was going to run for six, eight, 12 months, and eventually I finished the entire school year. One complete cycle. And then I got renewed, finished the first three years of the probationary period until I became permanent. And so I earned that status. But then it didn't stop me from, from thinking about what I had wanted to be. That was really inked in my heart that I, I would one day become a print or a broadcast journalist. And so it continued. It happened that I slowly fell in love with the work that I do, the mission that was placed under my watch, under my care. And then again, started to contemplate this is just temporary because one day I'll be able to really perform and deliver in accordance to the tasks and to the skills that I had been equipped with. But you know what? It did not initially strike a chord to me that all the things that I had been prepared for were actually being translated into the four walls of the classroom that I had been designated to take care of. And so the rest is history. Like many of you, dear teachers who are listening from your home, we start counting the number of years that we have spent, delivered and rendered service to our respective institutions. You wouldn't believe it. This year is my 30th. 30th from the time I, I set foot in the ground of the Salt Green Hills. And that, of course, excludes additional two years that I spent in an institution that eventually made me realize that I was going to stay. There was this call 
three, four years after I received another call. This time around, the call is in reference to my being considered as a seconded individual in a supervised school in the north. Just allow me to share with you some snapshots of my experience in that school and these were scribbled in my reflections. Part of the book of Brother June, The Call to Greatness. There are some expert, extras. The school is lean in terms of operation. Five grade levels on the initial year, from preschool to fourth grade. Three teachers on board, one of whom doubles up as administrative assistant while I took the role as principal among other functions. There was no defined philosophy, mission, vision, and learning objectives. Structures were loose, to say the least. Facilities were shared with the already established secondary school, also owned by the same family. The edifice where the classes were to run has yet to be facelifted. Each time I woke up, I couldn't help but pity myself for taking a jeepney ride while guards in a neatly ironed long sleeve barong only to cut the ride and walk a couple of kilometers along a mudded and narrow road until I got our stride on the other side of the bridge with a soiled pair of footgear. Then I'd be greeted by the middle graders who queued for the next available trip so we could get to the school in time for the morning assemblies. Not only was this a typical scenario during the travel periods, there was also this usual surprises that I had to deal with each time I opened the entrance gate and entered the campus. One of which was the litter caused by the rodents and stray cats who feasted on the leftovers from the unemptied trash bins because of the absence of the working student assigned to do the cleanup. Obviously, there was no one to do such except myself. Call it calling. Well, all these reflections have really given me that resolve that in fact, it's not by coincidence. We are here, we are in this ministry because it is not what we have planned out for. God has his own ways of manifesting to us and leading us where we should rightfully be. I should ask our host to just capture the next two slides. I'd like to underpin two things. One, that entire experience of being seconded 
gave me the realization that I cannot completely have what I have. I wanted. There was a little bit of confusion, especially when I had to reconcile the provisions that we had in La Salle Green Hills against this school. But later on, it began to sink that I cannot just merely compare, but instead be grateful, be appreciative of the fact that while the circumstances, the situation in the school where I was seconded at were different from LSGH. The expectations may be high, but obviously it reversed my mindset, my understanding of how I should deliver the mission of teaching, accompaniment, formation of young people, even of adults that led me to the acceptance of a new outlook. Calling? Yes. I'd say this is an exemplification of a calling that I didn't want to land into at the beginning. But I had to inch my way towards the same direction because all the forces were indicative that I should go that way. In conclusion, I'd like to ask also our host to please position to the last slide. Order, as it is posited by the fabrics of the law, and especially in the running of school, St. LaSalle puts it, we should all be called to make sure that our schools run well. There are norms, there are policies, but we continue to do so because we want to make sure that order is in place. A call or a calling cannot be such if we set limitations if we set the conditions, I want it this way. I should not be working in the same disposition or conditions because this is what I have not been prepared for. But the conditions are not at all what should dictate us to pursue the call the direction that's intended for us. And that the teacher needs to be submissive to the steerings of the spirit despite and in spite of the skills that he or she possesses. Reflecting upon all these points, my experience of LaSalle Green Hills, my experience of having been seconded in a supervised school, and now that I have fully settled myself in the same institution that has given me these chances and opportunities. I can completely claim a lot of confidence and strong disposition but the intent to become a broadcast journalist 
or an individual engaged in media may not be there anymore. My calling now, my mission, the skills that I have been equipped with. If I were in print and broadcast media, maybe fully compensated by the work that I do, the mission that has called me to be forever grateful and appreciative that I have been given the opportunity to serve Catholic education, to serve the Lasallians, and to serve the communities it influences. marvelous and mysterious ways. As Saint Lasalle puts it, those who instruct many unto justice shall shine like stars for all eternity. Happy Teacher's Day to all of you. Thank you very much, Dr. Judith Aldaba and Mr. Ramel Javier for such inspiring reflections on The Call. Thank you very much for listening. In the next episode, we shall continue listening in on reflections about the person of the teacher, the spirit. In the meantime, please consider subscribing to the Conversations in Education podcast. You may also let us know your thoughts by sending us an email at converse.education at gmail.com. Thank you.